me 
in worship just give them a hand you know we we give honor to whom honors do thank you guys and uh, it was really breaking out did you sense man it was real fire in here in worship it was really worship is always incredible just gonna get a little bit hotter in worship is that okay a little we're gonna go higher and um, it's gonna be fun we're in it for the journey this is a journey you begin when you said yes to Jesus you just didn't fill in all the blanks you just signed your name you said yes and um, but was there anybody here that would not have signed up if you knew what was gonna happen no that you're not gonna find anybody like that because you know those blessings do overtake us and those other things come along whether we want them or not but anyway, this is a good journey. Say it's a good journey. I wouldn't want to be on any. Where else are you going to go? Where else? Who else has the words of life? We, we're going to follow Jesus. This is it. We're not, there's nowhere else to go. And if you don't know him, you need to go to him quickly. I just want to encourage you. This is an hour. This is the day of salvation. And it would be a good idea to make sure you know Jesus. There's a lot of stuff happening, a lot of fears, a lot of concerns, a lot of division. I, I thought I read this morning where in North Carolina, two state rep, running for state representatives, one Democrat, one Republican, had a fight at a fair or something. Just cold cock demon. Yeah, I just, it's where we live. You know, there's a lot of division. You know what the Lord said about division, don't you? I mean, he said that he said every kingdom divided against itself is being in the amplified is being brought to desolation. It's ongoing or laid waste. And the amplified says, and no city or house divided against itself will stand. And so we're living in incredible times. We know politics is not going to unite us, never has, never will. It is the unity of the Spirit. 
And um, we got to demonstrate what it means to love in this hour. We don't want to be the ones giving the punch, okay? We might take a few punches. We might give a few too. I don't know. It would always going to happen. It's just, you know, it's, you know, they come after my wife. I'm going to give them everything I got. You know what I'm talking about? And uh, because if I don't, I'd be worse than an infidel. I've been asking the Lord this week. You know, last week was incredible. We gathered around the altar. We want to do that again today. Pray for our nation. And then I think I can get started on something after that just quickly. But we'll pray in a little bit. I want to share something from the scripture. But I've, I've been asking the Lord what he meant by a dream that I had this week. Bobby Connor. He never has appeared in my dream before. Rick has, Bob Jones has, and I, others, but Bobby, it's the first time, and he looked over at me, he was, Bobby was Bobby, I'm just telling you, he, <laughs> it was, when he looked at me, he said, it is time, so I emailed him, I said, Bobby, you didn't finish the story in my dream, you, you said it's time, what, time for what, and he gave me some, some ideas, but I don't know that I've heard from the Lord I think it's time for a lot of stuff. I know it's time for the church to arise. I know that. I believe it's time for a great awakening because we're long overdue. America is in deep trouble. You know, we we got to have God. But when you have to have God, you look up, you seek Him. If you seek Him, what, what happens? You find Him. As long as you're content to live without Him, you will live without Him. And that's where our nation has been. We've had many lovers, many gods. They're all going to come down. They're going to, the life is going to be squeezed out of them. You know, concerning this election, and now all the stuff going on, but we don't even know what's going to happen next week. The week, you know, it's really an incredible time. Maybe that was some of what the angels, they're looking, saying, what in the world's going to happen, <laughs> you know, on planet Earth? And they wish they were where we are because they do know it ends well. They do know that our God reigns. Obviously, they're celebrating. They rejoice over one sinner that repents. Well, they're getting ready to throw a big party in heaven. Because my prayer is a nation repents. But concerning the election, you know, there is the sovereignty of God. And I hear people all the time, well, God's got it under control. He's going to take care of it. They only know half the story. There's the sovereignty of God and there's the responsibility of man. And you know, all through Christendom, they tried to lean one way or the other. You got to have both. Who was that? John Wesley or one of the guys said, God does nothing except an answer to prayer. And so he moves in response to his people. Now, he can do what he pleases. So we don't throw that away. We know the scripture. He's sovereign. He's God. But he does move. And I'm thinking about, you know, there are scriptures that say that God raises leaders up, casts them down. There's another scripture over in Hosea. It says, they chose kings, but they were not of him. And then what does that say? When the wicked rule, the people groan. Where's that? Proverbs 29. But when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. So there's a part to play in all this. I'm sorry, it's just the way it is. You know, we do work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. Doesn't mean we're saved by our works, right? There's, there's, you know, 
We need a lot of understanding in that. But um, we need divine strategy, and that's what I want to lead us to in prayer because I found something in the Scripture. And it just came alive to me, so I'm going to... I've been praying it. We prayed it here this week. We meet every day for prayer. If you don't have anything to do at 7 o'clock in the morning, we begin with worship. And it is anointed time of just seeking God and soaking in His presence. And it begins our week of prayer. But tomorrow morning at 7 until about 45 minutes, it's just worship. It's a wonderful way to start the week. I'd encourage you if you can come and then go off to work. But we need strategy. We don't want to just pray. You know, prayers that go from here and they fall. I mean, we want prayers that matter. And there are things we prayed this week, and I'm seeing some things that are happening. I'm saying, God, you must be answering some of these prayers. God, you must be God here. Something's happening. You know what's good about, I mean, God is, what's God about God is that he even tells you what to pray for because he knows what he wants to do. So he puts on your heart the desires of his heart. He makes us think it's our desire. And then he answers the prayer. So he's really God. He does a better job of being God than us. Have you ever noticed? He really is. He's an amazing God. He is great and awesome. We shared last week on the anniversary of that guy that died that wrote that song, Our God is an Awesome God. You know, Rich Mullins. He, I'm telling you, America is going to know our God is an awesome God. And he's he is great, and he's, I'm telling you, he will be feared. You know, we, we've been hearing, well, the fear of God's coming back. We don't have a choice. You either fear God or you're going to fear what's coming on the earth. You'll fear man. You'll fear demons. I choose the fear of God. And the fear of God is something we really can't define. We try to define it, mostly define it away. God will define it. So is that okay? And it is in the Word. All right, I'm going to show you something. This is a strategy. Hey, Shirley, you look better all of a sudden. You, look, you always look good. She always, I tell her every day. I, I figure, I waited forever for a wife. I'm going to tell her how pretty she is. I'm just going to do it. I, I encourage you, man, when you get married, every day, don't lose the sparkle Date all the time. I'm just telling you like it is. And uh, these people that don't stay together, I'm telling you, to me it's just a bunch of, you ought to be able to stay together. Listen, love is one man, one woman. I don't know. I know God blesses, he forgives. I know all that stuff. But I think we've been way too lax, you know, it's sin. God hates divorce. Last time I read that part of the scripture. I know why he hates it, because it messes up the kids and family and just messes stuff up. Now, but God is a God of redemption, right? Because there's a lot of folks been divorced, at least half of the people they tell us. And God forgives and God restores. And he's an amazing God. But look in Isaiah 22. Now, I got to show you this stuff, because when I see it, it's like, whoa, this is big time stuff, God. This is amazing. This scripture I've used many times, and Shirley actually used it because she heard me teach on it. But back in those days in Silent Grove Church in West Virginia, I had no idea what it really meant. I just read it. You thought I knew what it meant. But she took it, and she prayed this prayer. 
before we got married, before she said yes, but it's in verse 22, Isaiah 22, 22. The key of the house of David I will lay on his shoulder. So he shall open and no one shall shut. And he shall shut and no one shall open. And I will fasten him as a peg in a secure place. And he will become a glorious throne to his father's house. Just pray with me and then ask, lead up and then we'll pray around the altar in a little bit. But Lord, we ask for revelation. We ask for wisdom. God, we ask for divine strategy. Lord, we have a feeling we can affect nations from this place, from Moravian Falls. We can affect destinies. God, we thank you because we're the people of God. You have given us authority. You did not waste the authority. You said, behold, I give you authority to trample upon scorpions and serpents and over all the power of the enemy. And thank you, you said, nothing shall by any means harm us. When we're doing your will, we're under your covering and under your protection. So, Lord, give us strategy to pray today. And then I thank you this week. We're going to read about it in the papers. I believe it. I believe it in Jesus' name. Amen. I know that sounds a little, but I believe it. I just believe we can affect things. What are we in this for? We're here to be salt and light. Light dispels the darkness. But anyway, this scripture means a whole lot more than what I first gave it credit for. I thought, well, you can pray. And I have, how many of you prayed this prayer before? God, I pray if this is your will, open doors that no one can shut. If it's not your will, close doors that not even me, no one can open. Have any of you ever done that? We, we do that, and God honors that. But there's a lot bigger context of the scripture. You know what it's about? Leadership. It's about ungodly leaders and godly leaders. That's why Proverbs says, when the wicked are in authority, the people groan. When the righteous, they rejoice. You remember Saul. It was not God's plan. But he gave them what they wanted. Remember that? So he gave them. But he had David in reserve. And he raised David up. But anyway, the context of this is absolutely amazing. Look back in chapter 2, or no, 22. That's where we are. And verse 4. So let's just look at it and pick it up in context. And you're going to see, I call this the tale of two leaders. It's pretty amazing when I first saw that. I said, God, you know, I've always believed since somewhere along the way when I was called to preach, I remember when I knelt down and I put my Bible on that stump or whatever it was, and I knelt down and I prayed. I believe God's Word had an answer to every human problem. It may not be specific. You may not lay it out ABC, but it's there. I still believe that to this day. You can't tell me. God's Word addresses every subject and beyond known to man. You just got to dig it out. Then He'll give you the revelation. It's like a treasure. Now, I believe that. I'm going to go to my grave believing this book is amazing. You know, it's incredible. People died for this book. People are dying right now. We just don't know about it. We're involved in this election. We heard the most incre incredible testimony of a missionary, I believe, or a lady. She's working with those in Syria. And she shared what is happening to believers. 
250 children. I don't want you to think about this, but if you could think of the worst possible form of torture, this, what we heard, is worse than that. And I thought, oh, God, how is this kind of stuff happening? And Americans, we're doing all this other stuff. People are paying a big price. And I say, God, how come we're not paying that kind of price? What's Syria done? They just, those guys are starving over there. They just want to hear the truth. And Iraq and Korea, the believers in North Korea, living in this dark, unbelievable, horrible hellhole of the earth. And I think of America and all this light and all the gospel and all the things we've had. Much is given. I'm telling you, much is given, much will be required. God's going to hold our nation accountable. But as long as we have a chance, we're going we're to do what he said to do. All right, let's look at this. Verse 4. Therefore I said, look away from me. I will weep bitterly. Do not labor to comfort me. Don't even try to make me feel better. Because of the plundering of the daughter of my people. For it is a day of trouble and treading down and perplexity. So it sounds like there's a serious situation going on here. Uh, plundering, trouble, treading down, perplexity by, with a capital B, by the Lord God of hosts. That's interesting. In the valley of vision, breaking down the walls and of crying to the mountain. Verse 7, and it shall come to pass that your choicest valley shall be full of chariots, and the horsemen shall set themselves in array at the gate. And he removed, look in verse 8, he removed the protection of Judah. And you looked in the, that day to the armor of the house of the forest. You also saw the damage to the city of David, that it was great. And then they gathered water, and they were trying to fix the situation. I'm going to explain it. The best I can. Verse 11, you also made a reservoir between the two walls for the water of the old pool, but you did not look to its maker, nor did you have respect for him who fashioned it long ago. And in that day, the Lord God of hosts called for weeping and for mourning, for baldness and girding with sackcloth, but instead joy and gladness, slaying oxen, killing sheep, eating meat, drinking wine. And they said, let us eat and drink because tomorrow we die. And then it was revealed in my hearing of the Lord of hosts, surely for this iniquity there will be no atonement for you, even to your death, says the Lord God of hosts. So what in the words is he talking about? Then we're going to get to these two leaders. What's well, a day of trouble, a day of perplexity, treading down by the Lord God of hosts. Now that's an interesting verse right there, that line. You ought to underline that. By the Lord God of hosts. Now this is where his sovereignty comes into play. The devil is not God. Never has been, never will be. He's not dictating. God is God. Both good and blessing, well-being, but also perplexity and trouble. We're going to get to this later, but you know who the one behind all the shaking is? God. I'll show you that. Anyway. Look at all this stuff by the Lord God of hosts in the valley of vision. The valley of vision. There in the valley of vision, there's some kind of perplexity and trouble. Vision. You, right now, you know, America was born, birthed with men that had great vision for this nation. Vision. They're people that have vision, but they're in the midst of great turmoil. 
battling for that vision to come to pass. And here the reason was, we're going to see what happened, but breaking down the walls. The walls began to be broken down. I wonder if there are any walls broken down around America. More than a few of them. What are we supposed to be doing? Restoring. Building them up. And we've been doing some of that through our intercession and worship. And it shall come to pass that your choicest valleys shall be full of chariots. So what was happening was, in the context of this, this is not talking about the destruction of Jerusalem by Nebuchadnezzar. It is the battle that was being threatened by Sennacherib. See, that's important. It's not looking at the end of it. It's like this threat. Sennacherib's about to rain on your parade. And the Lord says, no, you haven't seen all these chariots, but you're about to see them. They're about to gather on your shores, on your land. And the horsemen shall set themselves in array at the gate. Why? How could that happen? Well, look in verse 8. He removed the protection of Judah. Or the protection means covering. If God doesn't protect us, we're history. How many of you know that? Unless the Lord builds the house. Unless the Lord guards the city. The watchmen lie in wait in vain on the walls. God has to protect America or we are history. And he's been protecting. He's been doing an amazing job. The covering is beginning to be lifted. How many of you know that? I mean, we, we can see. Who are we compared to the believers in Syria, North Korea, Iraq, Iran, all these nations where they're being slaughtered? The most unhumane. When I heard that testimony, I, I wanted to go over there. You know, I can't, but I'm telling you. I know. It, what kind of human being? These are demons. Demons that have been loosed out of the pit of hell. And when I heard that, I thought, you know, if these are not the last days, and there's a generation coming with bigger demons being released on the earth, you don't want to be alive in that hour. That's the way I felt. Because these demons are big, but our God's bigger. That's why you got to be a David. You shrink back in this hour. You're not, if you take your hand off the plow, you're not even fit for the kingdom of God, the Bible says. Cowards are the first ones tossed into the lake of fire, right? But liars go there too. And there's going to be a lot of politicians flooding the gates of hell. We want them out. We want them saved. We want them to repent. It's God's will that none perish. But anyway, you got to stay to the course so we can pray. And I'm probably not going to get to that other part. I wanted to start, but maybe I can. You guys don't have anywhere to go, do you? Where else you got to go? Hey, what else we got to do in this hour? I'm not even shouting yet. All right, where were we? He removed the protection. You looked in that day to the armor of the house, the house of the forest. If I understand, Solomon is somehow relating to Solomon where he built this house of the forest. It was some kind of fortification. They were looking to their own armory. Verse 9, you also saw the damage to the city of David, that it was great. And so we look around, we say, whoa, the, the damage to our nation is great. The walls, have, in many places, there are breaches in the walls. 
You gathered together the waters of the lower pool. You numbered the houses of Jerusalem and the houses you broke down to fortify the wall. You're trying to build up. You're trying to, your best to do it without God. You ain't going to do it. Verse 11, you've made a reservoir for the water. But look what it says in verse 11, halfway through there. But you did not look to its maker, nor did you have respect for him who fashioned it long ago. I look at this as America. This is how you make America great again. No politician's going to fix it. we got to look to the maker of the heavens and the earth, the one who fashioned it long ago. we got to look to God. And look what God's calling for in America right now. Verse 12, and in that day, say that day. No, say this day. This day, the Lord God of hosts called for weeping and for mourning, for baldness, girding with sackcloth. What does that represent? Repentance. God's calling for the church in America. Hey, guys, you're in trouble. You're about to get in bigger trouble. I'm the answer. I'm your hope. Turn to me with all your heart, with all your mind. Fast, pray, repent. I can show you how great I am. I will not fail you. And what's America? Much of America. They're doing in verse 13, but instead joy and gladness, slaying of oxen, killing sheep, eating meat, drinking wine. For let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Living for themselves. Living for the moment. Then it was revealed in my hearing by the Lord of hosts. Surely for this inequity, there will be no atonement for you, even to your death, says the Lord God of hosts. Most people don't even know God speaks that way, but he does. So all you do is read it. It's like that commercial on Geico. Guys trying to, the kids are trying to sell lemonade. These stupid guys are driving by. Yeah, is this iced tea? Have you seen that commercial? No. Read it. What's wrong with you people? Read the sign. Lemonade, not iced tea. What are you, what's wrong with you people? It's like right now, God, what's wrong with the church in America? The answer is repentance. God will rise up and scatter our enemies for us. We don't even fight, have to fight in this battle. Well, there are battles. But the biggest of the battle, God will fight for us. Same way with us. There's some things you got to do. There's responsibility of man, but... You're only pretty limited. Have you, have you known that? You're limited to what you can do. That's God made it that way. So he can be God. And every man a liar that challenges his authority. This is really good stuff. Okay, let's see if I told you everything I wanted to tell you in that. Because now we're going to get to the tale of the two leaders. Oh, by the way, if you've lost your vision, you've got to get it back. We've got to get vision. Vision. Now, this is what's amazing. There are two leaders here that leads up to verse 22. So let's just read it, go back and talk about it. Thus says the Lord God of hosts. I like reading stuff like that because I remember one time when we were in cemetery, no, seminary. I went there. And I remember asking, where are the people? No, one of the professors said, where are those who are going to say, thus saith the Lord again? I remember hearing that. And in my spirit, I thought, I want to be one of them, God. I want to be one of them. They don't care what I have to say, but they'll listen when they hear what you have to say. So anyway, let's say what he has to say. Thus says the Lord God of hosts. Go proceed to this steward, a leader, to Shibna. Shibna. I don't know if that's the best way to pronounce it, but that's what we'll call this rascal. Because they're good for nothing. Who is over the house and say, what have you here? 
And whom have you here that you've honed a sepulchre here? And he who hoes himself a sepulchre on high, who carves a tomb for himself in a rock. Indeed, the Lord will throw you away violently, O mighty man, and will surely seize you. He will surely turn violently and toss you like a ball into a large country. And there you shall die, and there your glorious chariots shall be the shame of your master's house. So I will drive you out of your office and from your position, and he will pull you down. Now, this could be in their office or wanting to get into office. Look in verse 20. Then it shall be in that day that I will call my servant Elikim, the son of Hilkiah, and I will clothe him with your robe and strengthen him with your belt, and I will commit your responsibility into his hand, and he shall be a father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to the house of David. Then in verse 22, I'll give to him the keys of David. And he'll open and close and close and shut. Now, what you say, now, how are you going to relate all that kind of stuff? Well, first of all, there's Shibna. Here's what Shibna did. Politician. Abused his office. Was concerned about him or herself and his own glory. Rather than the well-being of the city. He exalted himself by the glorious chariots. That's a symbol of pride. Proudful. Arrogant, boastful, self, personal gain. But you know what God did? He came along and tossed him out of his office, driven out by God, tossed him like a ball. We prayed that this week. I'm praying that again. God, toss them like a ball. Those who are in it for their own good. In fact, this guy was wanting to create a government where the people were in of and by for the government. They lived, they existed for the government rather than the other way around. I'm going to show you. But this, I thought about this. The reason my son was a pretty good pitcher in college, you know, I made it, I mean, I didn't make him, but sometimes I did. We'd get out and we'd play long toss. Man, we would throw long toss. And when we played long toss, I had one of the strongest arms, you know, of any man around because I had to throw him back. But now remember when he's in high school, remember, Shirley, he would get to the furthest part of right field warming up before he pitched and throw it all the way across into the bullpen, way over to left field, wait. And they had a couple guys had to relay it back to him to get him warmed up. I said, God, he did that in college. I said, God, how, what kind of arms he got? This is amazing. I mean, he would do it like that and the other guys would relay But I thought about that this week. I said, oh, God, whoever's in this for themselves, whoever's lying before the American people, whoever wants to use the people for their own good to serve an ungodly government, God, would you toss them like a ball as far as you can throw them? Some people say God's not that way. You wait and see. You're going to be shocked on that day. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a holy, living, righteous God. Our God's rising up in this. He's no wimp. Religion is a wimp. Our God is no wimp. He's going to show himself strong. He's a man of war. Yes, he is. We made him into a wimp in America. 
If we really knew who God was, folks wouldn't go to church unless they were serious about it. And when the fear of God and the glory of God shows up, they won't go to church. Lest they die in his presence. But a lot of folks are going to come and get saved too. All right, Eliakim, Eliakim. This is an amazing guy. Then it shall be in that day I will call my servant Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, and I will clothe him with your robe and strengthen him with your belt. And I will commit your responsibility into his hand, and he shall be a father to the inhabitants of America, of Jerusalem. I don't know how the end of the house of Judah. And, and the key of the house of David I will lay on his shoulder. And he shall open and no one shall shut. And he shall shut and no one shall open. And I will fasten him as a peg in a secure place. How does all that fit? Well, here's Eliakim. He was God's servant, chosen by God. Chosen. He would be a father, almost like a new forefather. He would be a father. I don't understand all this. I'm just reading it like I see it. I'm not telling you to vote. I am telling you to vote. We said that last week. You better vote because it's a test to see what people really believe and what's in their heart. I wish I could go to some churches today. Man, many pastors are leading their, their sheep to the slaughter because they're not telling them the truth. They're not telling them. Abortion is murder. It is murder. And if you vote for a politician that supports abortion, you are an accomplice to murder. And God will hold you. Oh, I wish I could do that. So I can't. But you can go, God. And there's a lot of them standing up in the midst of their congregations, but they're not getting a voice. Give them a voice so they can shout loud. If they have to come out of the nursery, raise them up, God in those churches to preach the truth. I don't even do that. I remember when I was a kid, we had a pastor that did that. He thought he was waking people up. He didn't wake them up. He could have got up there and stripped naked, danced around. He wouldn't have woke those folks up. Okay. He'd be a father, and instead of himself, he would look after the needs of the people. He would be more akin to a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. So here are the two leaders. And look what he was given in verse 22. He was given the house, the key of the house of David. He, this, whoever this guy represents would be able to close doors that were opened that should have never been opened in the first place. They opened the door to the pits of hell. And God will give this leadership the authority to close those gates, close those doors, and open doors that will bless the nation and bless the people. That's an amazing when you see that in its context. Isn't it pretty incredible? This leadership, this is more about than the way we prayed it. It's good. And then they'll make them secure. Like be a, they'll be like a peg fastened in a secure place. But I think this whole chapter is a picture of America under siege. You know, it's not destroyed yet, but there's this threat, like Sennacherib, there's a threat. And so we see the walls, and there's an answer. The answer is repentance. The answer is calling on God, the maker, the founder. 
He is our only hope, our only answer. And then that God would raise up leaders. So I want to pray. And if you want to join me this morning, come up and join me around the altar. I want to pray this psalm. And then I want to do something. Don't leave yet if, unless you have to. But I want to, I want to just begin something. It will take only a five minutes or so. But let's pray. Come to the altar if you want to. If you want to and if you're led by the Spirit. and Just put in some music softly. Maybe that first song on that CD. But let's mean business with God. And um, yes, Lord. If you're burdened. If you can see the walls that are crumbling around our cities, our inner cities, the walls are not only crumbling, their walls have been built to hold them captive. They need to be set free. Oh God, our children have destiny, they have future, they have dreams, they have goals. God can restore it, God can keep it. But I tell you, he's the only hope for America. No other. Yes. Just cry out to God. Cry out to God. We're not going to, this is not a day to eat, drink, and be merry. It's a day to cry out, to humble ourselves. And he said if we humble ourselves, he's faithful. He's humble. If we humble, he'll forgive us, cleanse us. If we turn from our idols, our sin, prayerlessness. I was thinking this morning a whole bunch of stuff. Prayerlessness. The lack of love for the lost. The lack of being salt and light. Taking the easy road rather than taking up our cross because the cross is not an easy road. Never was easy, never will be. It demands death to self every day. God, have mercy. God, forgive us. God, forgive us. Have mercy. Come, Holy Spirit. Bring the conviction. Bring the brokenness, God. Bring the brokenness for our children, for our nation, for our cities, for our state. God, our nation's on the brink of, some people say, civil war. God, you got to come. We're crying out to you. We cannot fix this thing. Regardless who wins, we cannot fix it. God, we need you. We need your love. We need your mercy. We need the conviction of the Holy Spirit. God, God, Jesus, 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 bring tears. God, please, we can't produce it on our own. Help us, God. Lord, that you are waking us up. Father, I pray that my heart would be awakened. Open my eyes to see as you see that you place your burden upon our hearts, upon my heart, Lord. But Father, Lord, the question is, are we willing to let you be God and do whatever it takes to bring revival in this country? Father, we don't even know what that means. What do you have to do to wake this country up, Lord? But Father, I say yes and amen for you know what is right and what is pure and what will cleanse this nation. And so, Lord, we, we just say, Lord, do what it takes. Do what is needed. 
Father, even if it looks horrible to us, do whatever is necessary, Lord, to save lives, to save souls, Lord God. We say yes and amen.